Welcome into another edition of the Garbage Gold Podcast, powered by Orlando Lacrosse Report. I am Patrick Moore, along with my trusty co-host Colin Turner, who is uh, showing off his red head today. No hat, and um, we have a special guest with us today. Super excited to have uh, current Rollins men's lacrosse player Mikey Berkman, who is also an Orlando native. We're super excited to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us, big guy. Yeah, we're super excited to dig into a lot of stuff. There's there's so many aspects to uh, your experience through high school, through college, you know, and what you're doing now as you're, um, you know, finishing up college this year and moving on to the adult world um, where you got to pay bills like me and Colin. Do and this Don't does do not, it. just so we're, just so we're clear, this does not pay the bills. I haven't gotten any money <laughs> from this thing yet. I'm still waiting for that, that check, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> But we're super excited. You know, Mikey, uh, you played, uh, you first started your high school career at Dr. Phillips. Uh, then you played two years at West Orange High School. Uh, you uh, ended up with uh, a million points in high school. Um, that's my joke. Uh, whenever anybody asks me about you, I'm like, yeah, I don't know the number. It's like a million points. Um, I think you so, scored your senior year. You scored like 47 goals against Winter Park. I'll never forget just how many freaking times. It was like, up oh, goal, Mikey, goal, Mikey, goal. And you're still still the all still the all time um, point leader in FHSAA history in boys lacrosse, uh, which is pretty insane. Uh, you committed and attended and played at Syracuse University, and then now you have been play. You played this past season at Rollins, and you're uh, playing uh, one more season here at Rollins. So there's a lot to that, but uh, we're super excited about having you with us. So thanks for joining us, man, and thanks for taking for taking some time out of your schedule to be here uh, with us on the Garbage Gold Podcast. So um, what I really want to kind of, yeah, yeah. What I, what I really want to kind of dive just straight into Mikey is like, talk a little bit about, you know, that high school experience. Uh, Cause I read an article that talked about your connection to Casey Powell and how that sort of directed your lacrosse experience through high school. And then also ending up at Syracuse and committing there. It's an interesting story. How did you end up connecting with KC, and what did that look like when you started talking to Syracuse about going to play Division One lacrosse there? So, KC actually moved into the neighborhood behind me when I was growing up, and him and my dad actually, they didn't play against each other in high school, but they're from the same league up in upstate New York, the Frontier League. So I think uh, maybe through my dad's brother, they got connected, started hanging out, playing golf, and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of around the time I was just getting into lacrosse, probably like sixth grade for me. So I started playing like fourth grade. So obviously, uh, if you guys have been around Casey before, you know, he's got a a really good charisma and kind of aura around him. And I was like, man, this guy is so cool. Like he's a pro lacrosse player, all this, like this is, this is the life, all that, all that kind of stuff. And like, he really got me thinking like, kind of long-term lacrosse picture because I thought saw, just thought it was so cool, you know, just being on Team USA, playing in the pros and all that stuff. So just him being around definitely motivated me from the start for sure. And so was it your was it your relationship with Casey that sort of maybe created that want and desire to go play at Syracuse? Did you – were you kind of one of those guys that grew up and said, hey, I want to play Division One lacrosse? Did you even know what Division One lacrosse was? Because I know when you were in high school – we didn't have as much club and travel as we do now with all these teams in Florida. What, what was that like for you? What was your experience there? So, yeah, I kind of just 
played, uh, I think back in the day it was called Outlaws, and that was like the Windermere kind of youth league. Yep. And, you know, I never, never really thought about college across too much. And then Casey, well, actually, let me preface it with this. Both my parents are from upstate New York, so we were already huge Syracuse fans, you know, from the time I was born. And I remember watching the 09 championship, Cuse versus Cornell with my dad. Uh, they came back from down like two or three, stripped uh, the LSM, had the buzzer beater for regulation, and then won it in overtime. And as soon as like me and my dad were jumping off the couch, screaming, like we were so happy that, that they won. I think ever since that day was the day like I was like, I'm playing at Syracuse for sure. And then obviously meeting Casey, we started, uh, he started inviting a couple of me and my friends down to play with him in Boca. So we would drive down every Sunday to go practice with team 22 and he would just push us way harder than anyone else kind of pushed us ever. And we practiced like a college across team, he would say, and he would, you know, he told the parents to stay in the parking lot, you know, don't come around. And he would run us the whole time. We'd do so many push-ups. We would, he would scream at us. And he, he was like, if you want to compete at the highest level, you know, this is what it's going to be like. And I think every kid that drove in that car ended up playing D1 lacrosse. It was me, uh, Justin Eisenhower, who played at Wagner, and then a friend, Jason Sullivan, who played at Cleveland State. So I think that kick-started it for sure. Wow. Yeah. Your senior your was it your senior year was the year right before West Orange split into Windermere, right? So my senior year was the first year of that because my brother would have been on the team with me, but he had to go to Windermere instead. So that was it your junior year was when you had that the roster, I think, at West Orange. It had to have been like ninety freaking kids, if I remember correctly. And then your senior year is when they finally made the split. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's been. Uh, that, I think that's that's been a pretty big point of contention as you as you talk to people that have been in the lacrosse scene, especially in that part of Orange County. That split of Windermere and West Orange really changed the face of lacrosse in that area because you had kids going to both schools, and then you know then Mount Verde came along with their program and started to poach a few kids here and there. And it, I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to say watered down because that's not the right word, but it, it, it essentially it somewhat watered it down and took some of those kids. Because I, from what I've heard, and I wasn't in the lacrosse scene in Orlando at that time, but you know, if those kids had all stayed together with you and that group that was coming up, uh, they would have been a, a powerhouse, a force um, in the public school lacrosse for sure. How many, Definitely. Mikey? How many players were? I mean, if you got ballpark that junior year. Because I remember you guys walked in like a college lacrosse program. There were so many kids on it. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Those were like all the guys we grew up playing with in like Outlaws and all that stuff. So I think it was – we had to have like 40 kids, I think. Like 30 maybe. Insane. I have no idea. Yeah. You got to know like you think of high, high school lacrosse right now, you carry roughly, you know, 20, 25. Maybe you swell to 30 if you've got a big enough team. But really anything above 25, you're just sitting on the bench cheering. But then you guys uh -huh. rolled in. I'm like, is this is this two varsity teams? Like, what the hell is happening? It's yeah. unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like Carolina basketball where they have a varsity and a JV. They're like one of the only schools that still does that. Um, oh, really? Well, in, on, in, in an interesting, uh, interestingly enough, you mentioned your brother, and I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but your brother Ryan um, plays uh, men's lacrosse at Flagler College, uh, and he actually plays with my two sons, Griffin and Garrett, more. 
Um, and I was actually, uh, I was actually offered money to introduce you at the beginning of the show as Ryan Berkman's brother instead of Mikey Berkman. <laughs> so, and I didn't do that to you. I wouldn't, I That's didn't do funny. that to you, but, but, uh, they did, they did say to give you a shout out. And, um, and awesome. as a parent of a Flagler lacrosse player, I hope that you'll take a little easier on us this year because you guys shellacked us this past spring. But, um, yeah. anyhow, uh, so, so, okay. So you go into, so you go, so you go through West Orange. You have this amazing career, um, the points and assists. And that was something, too, that was really impressed with your game, looking at the stats, was you had just as many points or maybe more, actually, on the assist side than you did goals in, in high school. Speak to that. Was that an influence from Casey? I know you mentioned, too, like about your dad being a basketball guy. Like, what, what was the influence yeah. there? So, yeah, when you said that, I definitely thought to my dad being a basketball guy because uh, he w he played, like, D3 basketball. He's, like – five nine just a point guard kind of old school uh drawn dump kind of guy and I kind of grew up playing basketball with him too kind of my whole life going to pick up games at the Y with you know his older older crowd and a lot of times I would just I couldn't shoot too well I would just drive and dump and even in lacrosse you know I'm not really known for an outside shot or anything like that uh more known for just driving and that's kind of what I like to do, just draw attention and then dish to my teammates. And I think basketball has a lot to do with that because I always loved like point guards like Chris Paul and Steve Nash and stuff like that. Well, I, I've had this conversation before with other lacrosse heads in, in around the state of Florida. And this is just my wild amateur take. And I'll probably get some heat for this from somebody, some random parent will probably message me some hate mail, which is all right. <laughs> um, I, I, I feel like, there is so what why is it that there's so little attack quality attack players in the state of Florida like I feel like we're so strong in the midfield we're so strong on defense but you you don't rare you rarely in my opinion you rarely see guys that can do what you do around the crease both finishing and passing the ball what 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 do you see as you look at the game of Florida versus maybe up north where they've got you know a million guys running around that are your size that are banging it in the back of the net every day I mean, the one thing that comes to mind, I think, is that these kids are super athletic and they can run for days. And that's kind of the narrative that gets pushed around. It's like, oh, those Florida guys, you know, they're all athletes and they can run for days. Like, go get a go recruit a big Florida midi. And I think a lot of kids just, you know, see the highlights of people shooting on the run and all that kind of stuff. And that's definitely the glamorous part of the game. But for me, I always thought the. IQ part of the game, making things happen, you know, making things easier than like instead of making it hard on yourself, make it easy on yourself by seeing two passes ahead. And yeah, that's definitely a lot, Casey. He would always just talk about two passes ahead. And since I was always kind of seeing that in high school, I think it was really easy to get assists because I kind of knew where the guy was going to be already. But I don't know if other people look at it that way always. Makes sense. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Run, shoot. That's what most people yeah. think about the state of Florida. Drop your hands, run. Oh, got to pick them up again. Here we go. Yeah, it's it's so true. I mean, I I just rarely see guys in Florida that are just dogs. You know, when it comes to like playing around the crease and just finishing, mm -hmm. catching it. You know, we all seen those videos of like the Kavanaugh brothers where they're just like catching the ball in front of the goal with like one hand and throwing it. Like yeah. all these like you just don't see that kind of stuff in Florida and maybe. 
maybe when you get old like me, we'll see more kids like that as the game develops and grows. But, but yeah, you're right. It probably plays into that narrative of being lots of Florida athletes, you know. It, so, that Instagram yeah. reel or that Instagram video doesn't really look cool when you're just passing it to someone for a really good shot. But that drop your hands, exactly. spin, fake, do whatever you want to do looks great on Instagram. Yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah. yeah, it does for sure. I okay. So, uh, so let's, so let's talk, so let's talk about, let's talk about that experience of going from West Orange to Syracuse. You show up, um, you are at that point really just one of a handful of guys um, that have gone from the Central Florida area to a top tier Division One program. Um, you know, obviously the Bernhardt boys, um, you know, Sergio Salcedo, who was also at Syracuse. Um, you know, what was that experience like when you showed up on campus first time and you, you know, you go to practice, you go to the dome, like, what, what are you doing? You're going like, what am I doing here? Can I, you know, what, what was it like that experience for you? So I think, uh, I mean, for pretty much every freshman, you know, going in that first practice is just unlike anything you've ever experienced before, just the speed, but then also just the physicality of everyone. And, you know, right off the bat, first day of practice I remember we were doing one-on-ones and we had this defenseman Nick Mellon at the time and he was all-American I think first teamer you know one of the best defensemen I've easily ever played against and one freshman comes up he strips the freshman you know chucks the ball off the field he's like next guy up he stays on the field for the rep next guy comes up detwigs him shoves him over throws the ball away he's like you guys are wasting my time now <laughs> next guy comes up I think it was me at this point. I'm like, oh, crap. Here we go. First one-on-one. Take him one way. Thought I had a step on him. He wraps me, flips me over, sends me, like, on my on my butt, gets on top of me. He's, like, choking me out, basically. He's like, you'll never, you will never beat me as long as, as long as I'm at this. You know, of course, you know, going in as a freshman, it's the shell shock of, like, playing these, like, grown men, um, you know, playing uh, the top teams out there. Um, I know that you had an injury while you were there, you know, obviously you just got to earn a spot. And aside from the injury perspective, that, that, I mean, that's unfortunate, but like, I think one of the things that, um, I don't know how to say it. Like, I think one of the things that's interesting as I around parents and I've been around this lacrosse thing now more and more, especially the travel stuff and the recruiting scene is I think there's a huge disconnect for parents and even a lot of the players of what it actually takes to play division one lacrosse. Like, and it's not even just getting there. It's actually playing because you show up and there's 65 guys on the roster and there's 15 guys just like you and 10 of them are grown men. So it's like, do, do, yeah. you, do you get that feeling? Do you understand that? Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. do you feel like 100%. that there's a, there's a misunderstanding, a disconnect for parents and players? Yeah, they get, I mean, I think people are just easy to judge, especially with recruits these days. Like, they're like, oh, that guy's not even playing or, you know, he got benched there and he went there. But, you know, it's a lot of it situational, too, because like you said, you're a freshman. You go in, you're 18 and you weigh 180 pounds and there's two or three senior attackmen who are all, you know, 22, 23. They're mature. First of all, they've been playing in the system and they're also mentally, you know, very very much more stable I'd say and confident than yeah. obviously as a freshman it's so easy to get you know down when you're used to being the guy your whole career and then you have to go in and you're either not playing or you're being a role player or you know 
So I think mental is huge too. Yeah, that would be that would that would have to be really hard to go from like playing a lot to not playing. Like that would be easy for Colin because Colin didn't play in high school. But like you know, like having to go from being the guy, especially somebody like you that scored, you know, like had so many points in high school and you know accolades and all these things, and you go yeah. up there. I mean, it's just I, I I don't know. I just we lived it. We went through it with my oldest son. You know, you show up. There's 65 guys, and you're like, oh, what in the heck? Like. Yeah. There's only twenty. There's only twenty. Twenty. Yeah, there's only twenty something guys playing. It's not like there's fifty guys playing. Like yeah, this, exactly. <laughs> so it's like it's. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's just but interesting. That workout still hits at six a.m. in the morning, regardless if you're a <laughs> yes. starter or you're yeah. the sixty-second guy on the roster. And it's, yeah. do you have the the cojones to do that every day and wait for your turn? And yeah. the, the problem with Florida kids is everyone they've got the thing. They're going to go away to college and they're coming back after the year one. They don't yeah. want to do that. They don't want to be a part of that. But it's, it's you know, we're seeing it, the trend change a little bit, which is great. But that takes a that takes a discipline that you've got to. I mean, you had to learn that. Right. I mean, you knew what mm-hmm. you're getting into. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely I think went in there thinking I was going to play right away, too, because I was just like, oh, like I I didn't often compete against, you know, older kids that were going to Syracuse and going to Maryland and Duke. It was always kids just in my grade. So I was like, oh, I do very well against these guys. Obviously, I'm going to kill it. And then going in and having to go against a 22, 23-year-old, you know, All-American defenseman. And the coaches don't care, you know. They're not – they're just – they just want to see production. It's like it's a business at the end of the day, and they just want production. And if you can't produce, then you're not going to – even sniff the field so you know yeah it's whoever it's whoever's going to help them win right I mean they're getting paid to win games and I think that that's what parents and players need to understand is that like this you're right it's a business and especially when you get to a high profile program I mean yeah the coaches are nice at camps they're nice at the visits but when you show up Mm -hmm. on campus I jokingly told this and you would know who it was if I told you this I won't say who it is but I told a dad that had a son going through a recruiting process two years ago and he's a very high profile player and uh, had some big choices to make. And I just told him, I said, listen, enjoy the recruiting process. Enjoy every moment of it. Because when you show up freshman year, you're just another dude in a uniform. And it's what have you done for me lately? That's right. I mean, is yeah. that not what it is? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Because yeah. even if even if you're a guy that has been a starter for two or three years, if you stop producing after, you know, however many weeks or days or whatever the leniency is, if you're not producing one day, there'll just be someone else in your spot and the coach is, isn't going to say sorry about it or anything. He's just going to say, you know, you're done. This guy's up. Uh, he's not going to say sorry. So no, like they're going to forget your name like before you even know it. <laughs> sounds like Colin. He doesn't say sorry about anything either. So that's how he coaches. Make um, me learn your name, buddy. Make me learn well, your name. Well, we, well, you you did get yeah yeah that's funny. What's your name, kid? Um, yeah. What what talk about how talk about that final year at Syracuse before you transferred you know to come finish out at Rollins. Um, you you got quality minutes and you got some time. Were you like how did that all play? Were you just kind of like oh my gosh this is it or were you ready or how did that all play out for you when you got some time some minutes there? Well, yeah, I think it was tough with the uh, the whole COVID thing because the year before that. That was the year I was returning from my ACL and, you know, we were supposed to have a couple open, more open spots and stuff. And all those guys came back and we had unreal players. We had Steven Rafis at attack and, uh, you know, some other really high profile guys. 
And uh, so that year kind of stung for a lot of people because we all thought we were going to kind of get our chance that year a little bit more. But then the next year coming back, I knew that if I just kept working hard, I'd I'd get some time for sure. So I was I was just excited, you know, live out the dream, get to suit up in the dome and, and play in those games because obviously, you know, the best memories are the ones with the boys and, you know, those those like lunches and dinners and all that and just hanging out. But uh, being able to look back on, you know, those games in the dome is something that just means a lot to me and the family and everything. So, so grateful for that. But yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. What, um, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about once you were wrapped up at Syracuse, cause you are, um, you're, you're a guy that was able to take advantage of the transfer portal. Um, yep. and so you throw your name in the hat, um, you go into the transfer portal and did you immediately know Rollins was it or did you have to, did you have phone? Did they reach out to you? Like how'd that play out? So I went in the portal and, you know, a big, a big reason of that was that we kind of had two classes merged together almost. We had the guys above us. So that was like Tucker Dordovic, Brennan Curry, you know, those are some popular cross names in that grade. And then my class which had like Griffin Cook and Pete Fiorini, a couple got a couple of those guys. And I think out of 20 of us, 18 or 17 were leaving and, you know, new coaches bringing in a new team. So it felt like it was time to go. And when I was looking at options, I pretty much said the only thing that I didn't like about Syracuse was just being away from my family and just being obviously the weather wasn't great. But so those were kind of the two requirements, get better weather and, get closer to family and looking at those options, it's pretty much D2 or Jacksonville and uh, Jacksonville picked up an all American from Georgetown before. And they had two guys returning on attack as well. That were all Americans, Waldbum and uh, Griner. So I just mm-hmm. kind of was like, all right, I could either go up to Jacksonville, still be somewhat closer to my family or, you know, take the chance at Rollins and a big part of that was uh, Justin Eisenhower who I mentioned earlier he actually transferred D1 to Rollins as well I think his junior year and they had a great year the year before uh, one of the best in program history and he just kept saying like dude I'm telling you like just think about it like let's go walk around campus today or something and I never walked around I would always go shoot at Rollins and uh, work out with him there but I never looked at it as a place that I would go to so I just never thought I would ever you know play D2 or play in Florida and then once I went there and was had the mindset of like being a student there I was like wow this place is so nice it's beautiful everyone's nice here there's so much like cool stuff around you're basically right in Orlando but on the outside of it still so it's it's a uh, kind of just the, it was kind of the, the perfect, uh, everything was aligning. And I, I kind of knew after and I, there's I not, walked out. There's not six feet of snow on the ground either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always like say, that. I'm like, who would live, I'm sorry, but like who would live in Syracuse? I mean, I, that's just me of being a Florida boy anyways, you know, I just, it was that, crazy. that snow, that snow is crazy, it, man. That's everybody <laughs> says the weather off the lake is like a different world when you feel how cold when it's, when it's, oh my God. when it's in the dead of winter. <laughs> It would be like I've, we'd look at the the weather app and we wake up and it'd say like one or zero and then we'd look at the real feel and it'd be like negative fifteen and I would just be nope. like wow. 
We yeah, went, all your boys we went, back you, over you, hanging out in 65 degree weather yes, in winter yes. in Florida. Exactly. We did a we did a prospect day for Bryant University with my second son. They had they had told him they wanted him to come up there. They wanted to see him work out. We show up Friday night. The high that day was like six degrees, and the wind chill oh. was like 15 below. And thankfully, they have an indoor facility. Otherwise, they'd have to oh, cancel nice. the whole thing. The walk from the parking lot just to the facility, which was actually a pretty long walk because it's a weird parking lot. I have never been so cold. And I've been to some it's Big Ten football games in Indiana and stuff. I've yeah. never been that cold. And it was like an eight-minute walk. I mean, it was like if you were out there for more than 15 or 20 minutes, you could get, like, really sick. Like, you could really get, get – it was crazy. But So you get to Rollins, and then last season, you guys absolutely crushed it. You guys were one of the top-ranked teams in Division II lacrosse uh, really pretty much all year. Um, I personally got to see you guys play twice. I saw you um, shellac Flagler College uh, and your brother, which I'm sure there was some good trash talk um, after, after, during, and before that game. Um, yeah. But, but, uh, but talk, how, what, what was it like for you going from Division One to Division Two? Like, were you like, hey, this is easier, or this is the same? Were you surprised at how competitive it was? I think, uh, I mean, not to talk down on Division Two at all, because it is just, I think, in the game, it's just as it's just as competitive because everyone wants to win, but at the end of the day, the athletes just aren't the same, and that's the biggest difference. Is just all those, all the little plays, especially. It's like if the ball's on the ground, and it's in between you and someone else in a D one game, you pretty much know that person's almost ninety nine percent going to come for body, and they're going to come as fast as they possibly can. Whereas in D two, I've noticed a little bit less physical. Uh, and that just people just, there's either guys that are really big or there's guys that are really fast, but there's not often guys that are both big and super fast and quick. So I think athletically that the, the D1 coaches just recruit all the, the best athletes, even though there are still a ton of really good D1 caliber players on pretty much most D2 teams, I, I'd say. All the ones we went against, I, w- I would always notice a couple guys and I'd be like, those guys definitely could play D1 and be good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You 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 brought a fellow offensive lineman down for your starting goalie at <laughs> Rollins. So I mean, talk about size. You, you yeah. Shai is is unbelievable. Yeah, he is. He's one of the hardest hardest people to score on I've ever I've ever shot against and all the guys at Cuse would say the same thing too. So, I mean, he just takes up so much of the net and surprisingly is just so athletic, so athletic. I mean, moves moves like yeah. a much smaller human. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yep. it's impressive. Yeah, he's he's a stud. Um, mm. Is he he's back this year, right? For the spring, right? Yeah, yeah he's he's in the living room over there. Okay, so <laughs> so you guys are you guys are both back, and then mm. you're gonna so you know obviously it's gonna be the the usual suspects this year. You you guys, um, Tampa, Florida Southern, uh, you know Lenore Ryan. There's gonna be those you know six, seven, eight programs that are gonna really compete for that national championship opportunity. Uh, what, what's, I mean, you guys had an unfortunate loss, which I would probably say, you know, speaking to coach Lewis and other guys around Rollins lacrosse was a really disappointing loss for you guys. Cause you guys, I, I would say the sentiment across the board was that you didn't play as well as you should have, you know, it just, just wasn't a great game, um, for you, which is unfortunate, but, uh, yeah. but what's, what's, what's the end goal come 2024 for Rollins, Rollins college? Is it, is it all or nothing or what, what are we looking for? Yeah, it's definitely all or nothing. And, uh, 
the goal, I think, I mean, I think everyone knew that the, the day we lost that game was just, all right, like we need payback and we need it. We need it badly. So every, everyone's thinking that national championship or bust. And obviously we got to, you know, take it one game at a time. And kind of the way we did it last year was focusing on like little milestones. And, you know, I know last year our first game was limestone and that was the best ranked opponent Rollins had ever played. And so that was our first goal, you know, beat, beat a top five team or whatever. So we did that. And then it was beat Tampa. Then it was SSC championship. And then tried to try to do the natty and it, you know, we fell short, but that was our first time kind of being in that situation for 99% of the team. I think only me and Shahe had ever been doing NCAA playoff game on the whole team. So, and me and Shahe didn't even play, you know, we weren't even uh, like starters that year either. So, I think it was a big learning experience for everyone and uh, definitely motivated us for this year. So I think Natty Chipper well, bus. Well, I hope you guys, I hope you guys run the table with the exception of the Flagler game, but otherwise, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I just, I think, uh, I think it, it would be incredible for the sport um, in Orlando, you know, yeah. nothing against Tampa. They've had their chance. They've had their time. Like I'm, I'm kind of done with those guys and um you know, nothing against Marty and those guys at Florida Southern and Lakeland, but you know, I'm I'm cheering for definitely for an Orlando team to make a run here. I'd love to see you guys, um, you know, get it, in that you. final game and win it. That'd be awesome. Rollins yeah. is a hell of a spot. It's a sleeping giant. I mean, like you talk Absolutely. about, you grew up in the area, and to think about what Rollins is, like more local kids need to give it a look. Exactly, I mean, it's, it's a great program. Got good coaching, and it's right in the epicenter of Winter Park. Right, obviously, great part of Orlando. So. Well, that's what's so crazy about the Sunshine State Conference is you guys have like three or four of the best teams every year in the whole country in Division Two. Like if you look at the top 10, top 15 of Division Two, it's always – there's always at least three Sunshine State schools, sometimes four or five. Like, you know, when Lynn mm -hmm. has a good year or, you know, you know Embry-Riddle gets a couple wins. You know, it's like – it's just crazy. And it actually brings up a good point. What would you say to the – what would you say to the high school kid that's mm -hmm. out there that wants to play in college – you know, and maybe isn't really taking serious the opportunity to play in Florida for a program like a Lynn or a Rollins or a Florida Southern. Um, I mean, what would be your encouragement to them? I would just say that, you know, at the end of the day, everyone wants to play for the big name school with the coolest uniforms and the most national championships. And, you know, that's very important. If, if that's If that's your thing, that's your thing. But at the end of the day, it's all about fit. And you know, where do you fit in, not only on the team in terms of playing time, but like, where are you happy? Because some people, like for me personally, I know a big part of my life, I love going outdoors, fishing, walking around, you know, just getting time outside. And at Syracuse, it was very hard to do that for, you know, six, seven months out of the year. So I think, you know, not only consider lacrosse and obviously academics, but consider the area and consider, you know, the things you like to do in your free time that make you happy outside of lacrosse because lacrosse is obviously important and we all love it, but it's not the only thing you, you do, you know, you gotta that's be a happy great point. That, that's a great point. Quality of life, you know, yeah. academics, obviously, you know, we gotta have that quality of life. I mean, that's why when Garrett transferred from Jacksonville down to Flagler, it was a no brainer. You know, I, I mm -hmm. actually had a coach that I saw at a tournament and he said, Hey, your boy never, messaged me back when he entered the portal and I was like 
you're landlocked. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be there. He wants yeah. to be at the beach. He wants to be able to go surf and play lacrosse. I mean, you know, so you got to consider mm-hmm. those things for your own well-being and happiness. Um, Definitely. Well, well, I, I love, I love your story. I, I'm really grateful that you came back um, to Orlando, came back to Rollins. Um, you know, both my sisters actually went to Rollins and I wanted to go to Rollins so bad. And Klusman would not give me a scholarship to play basketball. Um, oh. But, um, but all that said, I think it's such a great story where you've been and where you're going. That kind of leads into what you're doing now because it sounds like you're you're kind of making up some plans to try to keep yourself planted in the lacrosse community through 407 lacrosse training. Yeah. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about. You know, it sounds like you guys started that. What's the goal there? What's what's kind of your yeah. vision for this? So, uh, story. I guess how it started. I was working an internship this summer, just a remote at my house here in Winter Park. And my buddy called me, Justin Spencer. He's a grad student at Rollins too. So we're both in the business masters there. And he's like, dude, I just had an idea. And I was like, what, what is it? And he goes, he goes, you know, you're training these kids or whatever. Cause I was training a couple of kids just for fun, like on my phone, right. just hit them up, whatever. And he's like, why not like try and make this like a legit thing? Like we have, you know, a bunch of good facilities around here and there's really not a ton of like trainers around here or whatever. And especially, you know, not guys that played at like Syracuse or, and have like the, the state record for points. And I was like, uh-huh. that's a good idea. So then <laughs> we just started talking about it. And, you know, I started talking to my dad about it. And he kind of he's an entrepreneur. He started his own business with his brother. So he was just all for the entrepreneurial part of it. Helped me come up with the logo, like kind of sent that over in like the second day after talking about it. And I think once I saw the logo, I was like, wow, like this could be actually pretty cool. So I think the main thing is like for me growing up, I wouldn't say I taught myself because obviously I had great mentors and coaches, but 99% of the time I would just be in the backyard shooting, looking up YouTube videos, how to get better, you know, all this like, and I never kind of had that older mentor close by that I didn't, the only guys, like you said, were the Bernhards and like Sergio. And I would, I would, yeah. I would text Sergio every now and then, but he was a lot older than I was and he was off at Syracuse all the time. So I just wanted to kind of give the guys, uh, I didn't really think it would, it's gonna, we're kind of getting a lot more kids these days, but I just wanted to kind of appeal to those guys out there that can't get enough of lacrosse and just want to talk game and, you know, work on the intricacies of their game because I always thought the coolest thing was like going up to uh, skinny Atlas to visit my mom's family it's just right outside of Syracuse. And I would see like Kevin Rice, if you know who that is, Dylan Donahue and these Syracuse uh-huh. attackmen shooting on the goal at the high school and just punishing the goal. Like, I mean, the goal was just <laughs> rip the shreds. And it was, I was like, these guys, you know, can shoot. And I would go talk to them and I would learn more from talking to them in an hour or 30 minutes. Then I, I was like, wow, you know, that was so cool. So I just want to give kind of kids an outlet to if they want to, you know, reach those high levels of the game or even just get a little better, whatever their goals are, have someone that, you know, wants to share the passion of the game with them. Cause I just love lacrosse, you know, it's, it's the best. Colin, that's what you do, right? You watch YouTube videos to learn how to coach lacrosse. Is that what you do? Every day. When you're not learning, you're not getting better. You know, it'd be funny. It's something, something that, I, I'm curious how you'd answer this. How much film do you watch? Like when you, when you, right now, Rollins, obviously you're out of season, but when you're in season, are you watching film almost every day? 
Definitely every day. And even if it's not Rollins film, I think I watch Rollins film a good amount, but I always just try to watch the best attackmen. And I also watch a ton of defensemen. So I watch what defensemen do, but I also, I just like watching, like, I'll pick a full game. And this is advice uh, Coach March at Syracuse gave me. He would tell me certain players to, like, emulate, and he would say, don't watch the highlights. Go watch the full game and watch what they do off ball. Watch what they do the whole entire game, how they ride, how they, you know, substitute. And those are the parts of the game that I think just didn't get touched on for me at all in high school was riding, clearing, substituting, uh, little things like that. I just had no idea that people even went into that much depth about, you know, riding and clearing. Yeah, everybody, it, it, everybody wants to shoot. Everybody wants to shoot on the run, sidearm, and rip it top corner or go BTB. But nobody watches all the stuff in between, and that's huge. That like kids need to understand, and parents need to understand. It's not. This is not a highlight game. Yeah, the highlights are fun, but it's all the stuff that happens in between that. And especially for a guy like you on the attack side, the ride. I mean, I love to watch these kids that just get after it when the ball's trying to get cleared and just pester the snot out of the defense. It's just yeah. hilarious to me. I love it. I love to see that hustle and see what they do there. But, man, it's huge. That's so important. So important. Yeah, it's it's cool to hear what you guys are doing to kind of teach the next level, the athletes that want to get to that level, that want to understand what it is. It's it's a great outlet. And tell – for the people that are, are paying attention to this and want to get more information, how do people find out more about 407 Lacrosse to get in touch with you guys? So you can either go to our Instagram, which is 407 Lax Training. And then on the Instagram, you can click the link to go to our website, or you can just DM us. But my phone number is on the website, and that's 407 Lacrosse Training. It'll say sign up, contact, all that kind of stuff. So either shoot me a text or DM. There's email on there. So, you know, whatever works for you. But either the Instagram or the website, and it's 407 Lacrosse Training for both. So That's great. I love it. I love that, that that's going to help grow the game and the, grow the talent that we have here in Orlando because there's a need – there's a need for every skill, you know, and we, we we're covering some of the beginner skill with the rec leagues and things and some of that intermediate. But I think that little above intermediate advanced, there's there's been a void there, you know, at times. And so this this obviously fills a great gap. And then you guys have an event coming up in um, a training event, right? In December. Is it in December? When is that? again? Yeah, we just have it's a little winter clinic. Uh, we kind of had it open to all positions. But as of now, it looks like it's pretty much goalies and shooters. So we're going to do a bunch of, uh, it's just basically working all on skill and form. So we're not going to be like doing one-on-ones and all that. It's just going to be how to become a better shooter, how to score more goals, how to finish the ball, and especially how to be deceptive in finishing. Because, you know, that's something that Coach Gate taught me so much about uh, my senior year was, you know, kind of the way the Canadians and box across players play. They never, they never just shoot it. They do sometimes, but nine times out of 10, they're looking low, shooting high, dipping their shoulder, shooting opposite. And that's why they just, it looks so easy when they play and score because they're just opening up, they're moving the goalie and opening up where they want to shoot rather than reacting to, you know, they're moving the goalie and they're deciding where they're shooting and they're manipulating the goalie rather than, you know, the opposite. So I think that was really cool. And, uh, so that's the kind of stuff I, we're going to be teaching. I think we should get Colin out there and go, Colin, you want to suit up? Take some shots? <laughs> I'll, I'll send my nine-year-old. You can have him. <laughs> that's funny. Brooke, 
Brooks is a beast, man. He'll stand in there up until he gets one right in the He'll shins, t- right? He walks into Shahe and sees a 280-pound human standing there. He'd be like, yeah, I got no shot. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. What if, Mikey, out of a question, do you have any thoughts of wanting to coach in the future? I mean, I think about it a lot for sure. Um, right now I'm getting my business master, so definitely, you know, going to see where that goes. But uh, I don't know. Whenever I think about coaching, I really think it'd be cool to become a Rollins coach one day, but we'll mm-hmm. see. I'll tell you, it's winter, I mean, winter Park, and you think about all these great programs, West Orange and all the Central Florida programs that we have. Coaches are such are so needed. There needs to be the yeah. next generation of coaches. And yeah. you guys coming back and being a part of this starting 407 lacrosse, I implore you guys, man. It's There's a great need for good young coaches to reinvigorate, get this out there, because th- this game has given so much to you, so much to me. I mean, I'm, I'm born yeah. and raised in Winter Park, play here, coach now for 11 years. And it's, you guys, it's it's something we all need to, to think about and try to keep keep Central Florida because yeah, the, the building blocks are here of athletes. It's just getting them the right skill to get them to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, Mikey, we appreciate you uh, uh, taking time to hang out with us here on the Garbage Gold Podcast. Uh, man, you got some, you got a lot of stuff going on. You're a busy guy. You also got to study in between all this too. Um, so, <laughs> well, uh, we we wish you all the best of luck. Um, we're definitely going to be seeing you around. Um, you're always Good. welcome over here on our field anytime. I know I always see. Uh, Dom and Kai and Travis and all these guys out here. Um, so, uh, and we will definitely be cheering for you um, for the Rollins season. Again, the only game I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cheer for you is that Flagler game up in St. Augustine. I gotta I gotta root against you. I gotta root for Ryan in that see- game. I thought yeah, it was here. I think so. Uh, I well, here. I can't tell because the Flagler has it there on their schedule, but you guys have it at your place. So I don't even I know. I, it, it, I'm that not sure. Right. I, Quite yeah. frankly, I'd rather it be a Rollins. I'll just ride my e-bike over from the house uh, to the game, anyways. Yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah, man, we're we're super excited and wish uh, you, the boys, Coach Lewis, the whole staff, the best of luck. Um, we will continue to uh, let people know about four hundred seven lacrosse on Orlando Lacrosse Report, and um, you know, you always have a uh, unpaid uh, job here at Orlando Lacrosse Report if you want to stay involved <laughs> in lacrosse. So awesome. we have uh, we have no budget. Our budget is a big zero. So. Um, <laughs> But anyhow, man, thanks again for joining us. All the best, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was awesome. See ya.